0: Chapter 28 of From Alien to Citizen The Story of My Life in America by Edward Steiner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter 28 The Church of the Three Problems. In my new parish, I was faced by three problems, each one of them big enough to make my task formidable. They were the race problem the higher criticism and the social emphasis of the gospel it seemed to me that almost all the people i met on the street were coloured and looking from my study into the alley i saw them sunning themselves on the sloping roofs of their shanties or lolling about in the most leisurely fashion wherever they found a prop against which to lean the old mammies, with their woolly heads tied in gorgeous bandanas were there, doing the white folks' washings, while numerous little pickaninnies, all unconscious of the fact that they were born into an unwelcoming world, played in the gutters. It was a glimpse into a bit of American Africa, which housed nearly a third of the city's population, but it looked twice as large as it was, because the unlike always look numerous, and race problems are intensified by that fact shantytown where the colored population lived was squeezed into the alleys where the white citizens swept their refuse thus maintaining for themselves a respectable front it was picturesque enough and had i been an artist i should have been delighted in its beturbaned washerwomen its sturdy loafers and its cunning pickaninnies being a pastor i saw the unpicturesque dirt the houses of prostitution the gambling dens and the vicious dance halls which were pushed into those alleys so that we superior white people might have a chance to thank god for our clean city and that we were not as this inferior race it was my first contact with the negro as the white man's neighbour that he was a back-door neighbor of course made a great difference but gave me a chance to observe him at close range and study his artless childlike stupidly happy ways of course many people kept negro servants we had one of them in our household dear old aunt sarah a relic of slavery days the incarnation of faithfulness she will be one of the white souls i shall find in heaven she had been a wife but knew nothing of her husband a mother and her children were taken from her she was all alone in her old age unresentful patient and sweet blessing those who had despitefully used her if she was at all typical of negro women or if there are or were numbers of such women among them then the lord have mercy upon us for having done no better by these people than we did i knew of them at first as loafers thieves and prostitutes a horrible outer fringe of the city's life but i also learned to know them and respect them in their homes their churches and their lodges out of that neighbourliness grew such a sense of responsibility that i regarded them as belonging to my parish and it is needless to say that they were not the only black sheep of my flock my own history with its struggle against the limitations of race fitted me in no small degree for this interesting and rewarding task the richest bit of wisdom i ever heard upon that point came from the lips of a coloured man who said to me Parson, the only way to get fellowship is to be the feller in the same ship and i reckon that's what you are i am very fond of quoting this bon mot. i never commiserated the negroes on the contrary i tried to make them joy in being black they honoured me each year by asking me to be their orator at the celebration of the emancipation day and it was not difficult for me to strike the right note and make the proper appeal many a time did i shame some of my auditors and win an approving laugh by chiding them for imitating the poor ways of us poor whites i have no means of knowing how many of those of us who called ourselves christians felt any responsibility for these black back-door neighbors very few i fear i do know fairly well that there were many white people the husbands and sons of my front-door neighbors who went in and out among them carrying corruption i know that at election time the colored man was flattered and bribed to help maintain dishonest courts venal judges and a purchasable police i also know that the entire community reaped a harvest of riots lynchings destruction of property and disruption of peaceful relations one night a black scoundrel resisted arrest by a white officer and killed him the result was a bloody race war which still sends a thrill of horror through those who remember it had i been there when it happened i fear i should have been in the thick of it and have pleaded the cause of the black man if the mob had listened to me i would have pointed out the real criminals among them the guilty white men who deserved the terrible end of their victim doubtless it would have been useless but i frequently think that i should have liked the opportunity to prove my faith in the human by some such daring deed and then take the consequences if the animosity between the races had not been so great or if men's minds had not been so clouded by prejudice that rational thinking for the most of them seemed impossible the community would have appointed a day of fasting and prayer for at the bottom of the black man's wickedness lay the white man's vices of lust and greed one of the city's judges who came in direct contact with the small misdemeanors of the blacks was a man who led a brazenly immoral life yet he was elected again and again to that responsible office by his irresponsible white constituents the trail of corruption led to the higher courts and then into so many channels that tracing them one grew bewildered and discouraged my own people were patient with me and loyal to me in spite of the fact that in my zeal i took many a misstep which deserved their censure quite naturally they did not all rejoice over the few black men and women who came on sundays to hear me preach and the pew in which they sat was as safe from invasion as if it had been quarantined for smallpox i understood their feeling and sympathized with them for i appreciate the fact that race aversion whatever its basis is real to others however little of it i may feel not only did negroes come to my church services jews also came the members of one family quite filled a pew regularly every sunday there was nothing offensive about them they were not strikingly different from the rest of the congregation in features dress or behaviour indeed they were a superior group if a great modern artist had seen them he might have used them as models to group around the christ-child even as it was it would have been no sacrilege to have called them a holy family the father had a peculiarly gentle jewish face unmarred by shrewdness the mother's face was placid and sweet while the children were promising americans who to-day occupy leading positions in the life of that community they came to church because my gospel appealed to them they were hungry as i had been for human fellowship sanctified by religion yet their presence provoked criticism and they remained as isolated as the negroes until finally they ceased to come the other two problems in this church did not seriously vex my soul although it was a trying ordeal through which i passed in common with other ministers who had to face the results of the higher criticism and the social interpretation of the gospel what greatly helped me in my ministry was my religious passion fed by my own experiences so that the question of the authorship or historicity of any portion of the bible did not affect my preaching while i could not and did not care to escape the proven results of the scientific study of the scriptures my faith rested on no external authority and that enabled me unwaveringly to preach a gospel which is ageless and changeless i also have a high degree of reverence for old people i realize how tenaciously they cling to that which has been the truth to them all their lives and i was never tempted to ruthlessly assail their faith indeed it never seemed to me that a composite pentateuch or the two Isaiahs had any bearing upon the truth i tried to convey the social emphasis while never lacking in my preaching was never one-sided i saw then and still see the need of a regeneration of the individual i never believed that clean sewers meant necessarily clean hearts that better wages would always give us better men but i did believe in harmonizing the two and faithfully i preached the whole gospel to the whole man and to the whole community here as in my previous churches and in spite of an earnest desire to do right i made grievous mistakes i fear that too often my sermons were prepared primarily to draw crowds and were sometimes in danger of becoming tainted by an unwholesome sensationalism some of them were diffuse and i trust i shall not be called in judgment for every idle word i have spoken one virtue i dare claim for my preaching its fearlessness but even that not infrequently would have had better results had i displayed less zeal and more wisdom I regret that i often permitted myself to be drawn into uttering protests against the conventional shortcomings of society and that i did not more searchingly probe its real sores the churches of that city were divided not so much by religious convictions as by social distinctions the ministers a royal group of men met each monday but we spent too much of our time bemoaning the surface ills of our flocks and of the town out of these ministers meetings came great good fellowship but not much else it was during this pastorate that there came to me a realization of the limitations which hamper the work of the church and i chafed under it i think i know almost the exact moment when my first great passion seemed spent when i ceased to be with all my heart and soul the minister of my own church and became something more yet something less i began to write and rejoiced to find another channel of expression i went to europe in my modest steerage way and spent glorious mountain-top days with the great spirits then dominating the literary horizon of the old world i had a wonderful day with maurice jokai the hungarian novelist then passed his period of greatest productivity a fiery romantic genius the walter scott of his country with Maurice Maeterlinck, I travelled to Antwerp and Ghent, and later spent a few hours on the roof garden of his home in Paris, watching with him The Bees, whose biography he was then writing in his matchless mystic way. I sought out Gerhard Hauptmann and translated into English his Hanel's Dream, that exquisite story in which flesh and spirit are woven around the Christ i visited hermann sudermann and seated in his box in the douche theatre in berlin heard one of his plays rendered it was a distinctly artistic and religious experience for it was his john the baptist that mighty bit of realism portraying the new testament hero in friendliest intercourse i met that leonine iconoclast max nordau and watched the awakening of jewish nationalism from the splendid vantage ground of personal and intimate acquaintance with theodor Herzl, the founder of modern zionism two trips through the length and breadth of the slavic world revived my early love of the language and literature of those great people the slavs best of all i paid an annual visit to tolstoy rekindling at the flame of his life my passion for the kingdom of god returning from these trips i incorporated my observations and experiences into my preaching enriching it and weakening it at the same time besides the social intercourse with my own people i was so fortunate as to be drawn into a group of like-minded men of high ideals and the bond of friendship then created has never been broken I had gained the esteem and interest of the community, and regained a world-wide outlook, but I had lost my church, or rather the church had lost me. Looking back, and trying honestly to interpret that period, I feel that I would have remained an ardent, if not a great preacher, and could have created a broad and useful church by drawing to it the halt, the maimed, and the blind, men of all colours and creeds, but the church was not ready for so heterogeneous a membership.' for which i cannot blame that particular church on the whole it was if anything more christian than the other churches in that place and less given over to worldly pride yet it was only a congregational church into which a few people of a certain type fitted socially and ecclesiastically i blame myself and not my church i should have made as unsatisfactory a rabbi as i was a protestant pastor for in my case the two positions would have been almost identical the activity of the one would have been bounded by race only the activity of the other was limited by race and by the bank accounts of my flock and their resultant social standing one sunday in the early fall a group of strangers faithfully attended all the church services they were members of a church committee looking for a pastor after the evening service they offered me a parish in which more fish were caught, more beer brewed, more wine fermented, and more souls lost annually than in any other town in the state. Within two weeks I had accepted what proved to be my last pastorate. End of chapter 28